Entering week 11, the Seahawks found, find themselves in a two-way tie atop the NFC West. Is this week's rematch against the Rams a must-win for Pete Carroll's team? We'll be breaking it all down in our latest installment of Locked On Seahawks. You are Locked On Seahawks, your daily Seattle Seahawks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings, 12. This is Corbin Smith, host of the Locked On Seahawks podcast, your daily Seahawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Glad to be joined here for our latest matchup Wednesday by my co-host in crime, Rob Rag. And a special thanks to all the 12s out there, whether you're listening in Oregon country in Eugene, Oregon, or you're listening from Flagstaff, Arizona. We greatly appreciate each and every one of you for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. We're going to be breaking down all the key matchups. The first rematch of the NFC West of the season, Seahawks and Rams getting set to duke it out at SoFi Stadium on Sunday. Jam-packed episode coming your way, courtesy of LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash NFL. That's linkedin.com slash NFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Now for your lead story here on our Wednesday edition of Locked On Seahawks. After getting back in the win column with a win over the Commanders on Sunday, the Seahawks are still deadlocked in a two-way tie with the 49ers atop the NFC West. The 49ers have a little better point differential, so they currently have the lead. They are considered the division leaders, but by a record standpoint, they're still knotted up. And going into this week's games, the 49ers, they are going to be getting set to take part in a home matchup against the Buccaneers. Tampa Bay has been reeling as of late. The Seahawks will be going against a Rams team that hasn't necessarily been playing well. They just by week, though, they're going to have Matthew Stafford coming back for this game healthy. Rob, this feels like, and I know that it's it's strange saying this, when the Seahawks are clearly in a good position at 6-3. and three. They've got one of the best records in the NFC, but this does feel like if you want to win this division – this is absolutely a must-win contest for Pete Carroll's team. Well, it is a must-win in a lot of different ways. As you just said, the San Francisco 49ers are going to be hosting a Tampa Bay Buccaneers team that is that is struggling right now. And so, uh, you know, you don't want to just assume that the 49ers are going to win because some of the games in which they've lost have been a little bit surprising. But still, it feels like the 49ers are going to likely win their matchup against Tampa Bay. Obviously, Seattle lost their previous matchup against the LA Rams. So if you want to hold serve in the division and be able to make that Thanksgiving uh, opportunity against the 49ers actually meaningful, then this is a must-win game. Now, from a mathematical standpoint, if all you care about is Seattle getting into the playoff picture, those of you watching on YouTube right now can see Seattle is currently the number five seed. And so, sure, from a mathematical standpoint, this is not a math. You don't have to win this game to qualify for the playoffs. But my goodness, I mean, expect more than just qualifying for the playoffs at this point. You're, you're hoping to win the, the division, get a, a home game in the playoffs. And so I, in a lot of ways, Corbin, I don't know that must win is the vernacular I want to use at this point. But I absolutely think if the Seahawks are trying to win a division, then this absolutely is a must win. 
You cannot afford to lose both your games to the Rams when they're coming into this game at three and six. And I know they still got some really good players. We saw what Matthew Stafford did to the Seahawks in that home opener, especially the second half where he was carving them up. And that was without Cooper Cup. They're going to have Cooper Cup out there. They're going to have the full complement of receivers for Matthew Stafford. So this is not going to be an easy game by any means, but this is still a Rams team that has a lot of positions where they clearly at least on paper, are not as talented as the Seahawks. You cannot afford to get swept by them. And I think the big thing we have to look at here is the schedule. Now, these next couple weeks, the 49ers have to play the Seahawks and Eagles on the road back-to-back weeks. So it's not like the 49ers are necessarily walking into an easy part of their schedule. And remember, the Seahawks, they play the 49ers twice in a three-week span. So from San Francisco's perspective, you have to play the Seahawks twice sandwiched around a road game against the Philadelphia Eagles. So it's not going to get any easier for the 49ers, at least over the next month. But the Seahawks have that tough game coming up against the Cowboys on another Thursday night. And oh, by the way, they play the 49ers, then they play the Eagles at home after that. So they are entering that gauntlet of their schedule. If you lose this game to the Rams on the road, you get swept by the Rams, who clearly are down this year, then it's going to be really difficult. It doesn't rule out your chances of winning the division, but if the 49ers beat the Buccaneers as expected and the Seahawks lose to the Rams that are a full game behind, you've got those two games coming up, they're still meeting. If you if you play the 49ers tough at home and you beat them on Thanksgiving night, then you can make up that ground. But this does feel like a game in the long term when you're looking at the rest of the schedule that the Seahawks have absolutely got to have if they want to win the division. If they want to make the postseason falling to 6-4, and four, it's not the end of the world. But these division games, these conference games, are always the ones that come back to bite you when you don't win them. And they already have lost one game to Sean McVay's team. They have got to find a way to get this done if they want to have any chance to win this division. And really, if you want to have that top wild card even, this is a game that by the end of the season, if you don't get it, it could truly come back to get you. Yeah, exactly. And that's why I love that you just put that graphic up there. Just because if you look at the rest of the schedules for, or at least the next three weeks, the schedules for the, the 49ers and for the Seahawks, then this absolutely is a must win because the Seahawks schedule just gets that more difficult as you move forward. This is the quote unquote easy one. And obviously, the Seahawks losing to the Rams again. You can't describe this game as easy in any stretch of the imagination. But as we're about to break down, uh, you know, the Rams are a team that basically has three absolute superstar players, Matthew Stafford, Cooper Cup, and Aaron Donald. And so you have to be able to kind of slow those players down. And if you you can, you should be able to win this football game because when you look at who Seattle has coming up next, then, you know, Philadelphia Eagles, San Francisco 49ers a couple of different times, there certainly are a lot more superstars than the Los Angeles Rams have. So that's the whole argument. If all you care about is making the playoffs, this is not a must win. If the Seahawks were to lose at six and four, they still would be mathematically very much in the playoff hunt. But if you are looking to win the NFC West division, that is obviously the goal of Pete Carroll and the Seahawks. And this is a clear uh, kind of delineation, I think, in the season. They have to win this game if they want to be able to kind of seize that divisional title back. This could be one of those what I like to call fork in the road games where if you get beat a second time by the Rams, and this would be, you know, I know they beat the Commanders last week, but you still had that blowout loss to the Ravens. 
you're trying to prove yourself. And if you can't beat the Rams once with all the injuries and all the departures they had in the offseason, that can be the type of loss that can really stick with you. And that's the last thing you want right now, considering the gauntlet they've got coming up. And if you have any ideas on getting one of the top seeds in the conference, not just winning your division, but getting a top seed, you can't afford any more slip-ups against teams that you are expected to beat. So, again, don't want to put too much pressure on the Seahawks. I think they know the gravity of this situation. They cannot afford to lose this game and get swept by the Rams. It wouldn't be the end of the world necessarily, but for the goals that they have, if they want to be able to achieve more than last year just sneaking in the playoffs, just being happy to be there, these are the type of games that you have to win. And in fact, I would say you got to find a way to win in convincing fashion, which they have not been able to do very much this year. Can you find a way to go on the road and get a multi-score win? Even winning by 10 would be a nice appearance going against a Rams team that's going to have their stars in the lineup. So not an easy game, but it's one that you've got to have. And so we're going to be breaking down those key matchups coming up next year on our Wednesday edition of Locked on Seahawks, starting on the offensive side of the football which positional battles will we be watching when Geno Smith and company are taking on Aaron Donald and the Rams defense? Don't go away. You're listening to the Locked On Seahawks podcast, which is brought your way by LinkedIn Jobs. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high stakes wager for your small business. And you want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps find the right people for your team faster and for free. When I was managing a website, LinkedIn Jobs was my go-to to post writing positions to land top candidates, and they made the process easy and seamless. All you have to do is create your job post, add your job, and the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word you're hiring. They have simple tools like screening questions, that make it easy to focus on candidates with the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why businesses rate. LinkedIn Jobs, number one, delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash NFL. That's linkedin.com slash NFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. This episode is also brought your way by FanDuel. Get ready for week 11 of the NFL with incredible offers from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get into the action. The app is so easy to use, and there's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, such as the Seahawks being a slim favorite against the Rams on the road this weekend. Player props, including Devin Witherspoon's growing chances of winning Rookie of the Year on defense, over-unders, and much more. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and enjoy the NFL season with an offer you won't want to miss. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. You're listening to Matchup Wednesday here on the Locked On Seahawks podcast. I'm your host, Corbin Smith. Glad to be joined, as always, by my coach to crime, Rob Rag. And a special thanks to all the 12s out there. We thank you, thank you, thank you for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. Locked On has launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Locked On Sports Today is here for your 24-7 coverage of the top sports stories of the day with local experts of Locked On plus our national shows covering every league. Go to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. Make sure to check that out. It's matchup Wednesday, and it's our first rematch of the season. We've got the Seahawks and the Rams getting set to battle at SoFi Stadium. And 
every time these two teams get together, things tend to get kind of crazy. The Seahawks have had their issues beating the Rams with Sean McVay as the coach, but they'll be looking to get even after falling short in week one. The Rams coming to town and getting the upset at Lumen Field. Can the Seahawks pull the same thing at SoFi Stadium? I don't know if it'd be an upset at this point with the Rams being three and six, and they've really struggled ever since that week one win over the Seahawks. But looking at the matchups, Rob, on the offensive side of the football for the Seahawks, we've talked about this position quite a bit the last few weeks because there's been questions about usage, but if there is an area where the Rams clearly jump out as a team that has had issues defending a certain position group, it has been tight ends where they're in the top 10 and giving up receiving yards. And they're also tied for second, giving up five touchdowns to the tight end position. We saw the tight ends have big games against the Rams last year. Week one didn't necessarily happen this year, but it feels like a game, especially with the inexperience and some of the changes the Rams have had at safety, the linebackers coverage issues. This feels like a game where Noah Fant, Kobe Parkinson, Will Disley, that all three of those guys could have an impact in the passing game against this Rams defense. They absolutely could. I mean, that's the thing is that you come off of last week's win um, <clears throat> against Washington, of course, and we talked about this, Corbin, the, the fact that, uh, you know, Seattle's offensive coordinator, Shane Waldron, kind of created some opportunities for Seattle's tight ends just with their alignment. Uh, the fact that Will Disley created the, you know, the biggest, uh, you know, as a tight end screen was able to get a 16-yard play there and that is Seattle's slowest tight end so Noah Fant, Kobe Parkinson, Will Disley you really should be able to kind of create some some opportunities against this Rams defense that has had an awful lot of turnover at the safety position former University of Washington Taylor Rapp no longer with the Rams. John Jefferson the third has, you know, he's on the roster, but he has not created some big plays for the Rams. And so it, it really is Jordan Fuller. Jordan Fuller is a defensive back. Russ Yeast is a good football player as well. He's given up an awful lot of receptions. This feels like a vulnerability for the Rams. And kind of going back to Jordan Fuller here for a moment, he is a guy that is an instinctive player. He's certainly a physical player. If the Seahawks do decide that they want to feature their tight ends, and we certainly expect that this be a positional group at the Seattle, that the Seattle is going to try to focus in on, the biggest thing here is that he has three. Jordan Fuller has three forced fumbles. Nobody else in the Rams has more than one. So that's the thing is that Seattle's tight ends not only have to catch the ball, they have to secure the football because yep. that's one of the ways the Rams can absolutely turn this football game around. So that is a positional group I think that the Seahawks can target, but also one thing I think that they have to be a little bit, uh, you know, respectful of what the Rams can provide. You should be able to get some big plays on them, but at the same time, you absolutely have to protect the football. Kobe Parkinson, Noah Fant, and and Will Disley, you have to be able to make those select make those. Uh, uh, receptions, but also be able to kind of get what you can and then get down before you try to bulldoze everybody and get the ball punched out. Yeah, that's especially for Will Disley with what we saw last week. And he's a big guy, so you you don't want to take that part of his game away. But Fuller has been one of those players that has been known to, I don't want to say he's Peanut Tillman, but he's a guy that could certainly go out there and strip the football away from you, and he's an instinctive player. So when you are trying to work around him, he's a guy that will miss some tackles. This Rams team is fourth in the NFL and miss tackles, but they also will create fumbles. So they kind of have that risk-reward style tackling going for them this year. And they've been able to get rewards with the fumbles, but 
you got to be able to secure the football. If you do that, this is a team that you could break some tackles. You could get some yards after the catch, particularly from your tight ends. As we talk about every time these teams get together, though, we, we decided to switch it up. We know what the most important matchup is for the Seahawks on offense, though, sure. and it's always dealing with big number 99. Now, you look at Aaron Donald's numbers this year. They're still respectable. He's not having the most dominant season of his career, but – He's still got five and a half sacks as an interior defensive lineman. He's got 13 quarterback hits. He is still Aaron Donald. He's still one of the very best in the business, and he has had so many dominant games against the Seahawks over the years. Week one, he was good, but he wasn't on his A game, so that kind of concerns you going into this game a little bit. But if you're looking for a silver lining from the Seahawks' perspective, I thought Phil Haynes played one of his finest games last week against Washington where they had plenty of talent in the interior as well with Deron Payne and Jonathan Allen. I thought Phil Haynes played outstanding. No pressures allowed in pass protection. This will be his second start going against Aaron Donald. He had some success against him in week one. Damian Lewis looked pretty solid this last week. And Evan Brown, he has been a nice uh, addition, a stable addition to the middle of that offensive line. So, you look at this Rams defensive front. They don't have some of the bodies they've had around Aaron Donald in the past, but it doesn't matter. It's still number 99, and he is that rare player in that truly can plans. So you got to find a way. Let him have some of his plays, but we can't let him take over the game. And that onus is going to fall on all three of those interior offensive linemen, even the tackles, because they'll slide Aaron Donald outside some. But the, the main onus is going to fall these guard centers to be able to keep him away from Geno Smith and allow the quarterback to be able to do what he did last week, get the football out, let his receivers go to work. If they can't let him do that, this is going to be like any game against the Rams. It's going to be tricky sledding to get the ball moving because he's that impactful of a player on his own. Yeah, exactly. I think anybody who watched the, the Seahawks versus the Rams in week one, uh, maybe you saw the, you know, the kind of viral clip out there of Geno Smith, right, you know, dropping back and then Aaron Donald closing him. Um, and there was like, oh, my God. You know, I mean, that, that was kind of uh, what Aaron Donald can do to you because he closes so incredibly quickly. I mean, he, he's a defensive tackle, Corbin, as you well know. He's, yeah, he's still, he's kind of in that, you know, six foot, 270 pound range. I mean, this is a much smaller, much quicker player. Those of you watching on YouTube, again, you can look at the picture that we have here. He is not a big man. But he is incredibly quick. He's incredibly powerful. And he is very versatile. The Rams move him up and down the line. So that, that's why I love the fact that we are highlighting Aaron Donald basically versus Seattle's offensive line. Because it's going to be against Damian Lewis at times 101. It's going to be against Evan Brown, the center, 101. It's going to be against either Phil Haynes or Anthony Bradford, the right guard. One-on-one. -on -one. Sometimes it's going to be against Seattle's offensive tackles. They move Aaron Donald up and down because he is that good. If he had the supporting cast that some of the other NFL teams have out there, I have no doubt in my mind that Aaron Donald would still be putting up double-digit sacks at this point. He is absolutely the number one thing that the Seahawks have to slow down if they're going to have any type of success against this team. But one of the ways in which you can slow him down as a smaller player is the absolute 
physically hit him in the mouth. And so that's what I think that the Seahawks are going to do. I think it's going to be interesting, whether it be Phil Haynes, the right guard position, whether it be Anthony Bradford, who is the more physical run blocker at this point. Wouldn't be surprised at all to see the Seahawks rotate their right guards, similar to the way they've rotated their right tackles. It doesn't matter who is at the right guard position. You have to slow down Aaron Donald if you're going to have any chance at being the Rams and so far. And I think if you're looking for an area where the Seahawks could strike some fear in the Rams, and I'm just, it's weird that we're saying that this, I don't want to say it's the get your popcorn ready matchup, and yet I do, because Akella Witherspoon, who spent like six minutes with the Seahawks during training camp a few years ago, DK Metcalf, one of the on-field penalties that he's had this year in week one, it was the late block on Akella Witherspoon that the Rams said was dirty, they started barking at him, and he and Witherspoon, dating back to Witherspoon's time with the 49ers, these two have kind of went at it, and they're both bigger-bodied guys. And so that kind of is an exciting matchup in this game that I didn't think we would be featuring. But at the same time, Akella Witherspoon has had a pretty good year. He got two interceptions, four pass breakups, and he's one of the few quarters in the league that has the length to be able to battle with a player like DK Metcalf. And Metcalf is coming off of a game where he nearly had 100 receiving yards, came up clutch at the end against the commanders. So he's got some momentum going into this game. Tyler Lockett almost had 100 yards receiving. They had a big game from Jackson Smith and Jigba. So the Rams, this is still a quarterback group. They've had some rotating. They've had some Mexican matching of players. They're trying to figure their way without Jalen Ramsey. But Akella Witherspoon, oddly enough, has maybe been their most consistent guy, and they're going to be counting on him to defend DK Metcalf, which to me, that is a matchup on paper, at least statistically. Metcalf's had a little bit of issue with at the same time, though. I could see him going into this game, Rob, and thinking, you know what? I'm, I'm rolling after last weekend. I'm feeling healthier. I remember what happened in week one when they shut me down. I'm not letting it happen twice. So this is going to be a fun matchup where I think the Seahawks still could have a significant advantage as long as Tito Smith has enough time to throw the football. Yeah, that, that to me is really what it comes down to. As we talked about just a moment ago with Aaron Donald, I would argue the art, the the outside pass rusher Byron Young, the, the uh, you know the rookie um, against Seattle's offensive tackles, is also critical that Seattle slow them down. If Geno Smith has enough time, Corbin, I really believe that this is a secondary that Seattle should be or Geno Smith should be able to pick apart. Um, you know, Kayla Weatherspoon leads the Rams with two interceptions, as you noted. No other cornerback on the Rams has an interception so far this season. He also leads the team uh, uh, in passes broken up with six. Um, Kobe Durant, um, another quality cornerback, has five, but doesn't have a single interception at this point. Um, the Rams have corners that are quick. They don't necessarily have great speed. And so that, that's one of the reasons why I wonder if maybe this isn't a game where Tyler Lockett is able to kind of create some of his kind of hidden yardage. If we're seeing Jackson Smith and Jigba the last couple of weeks really kind of, you know, ascend in in way that he is playing. So I do think that this is an opportunity for Seattle to kind of flex a little bit. Again, it's all critical, all based on Seattle being able to give Geno Smith enough time. But if they do, I really think this is a secondary that they should be able to create some big plays. They had 10 plays last last game against Washington, 10 plays at 15 plus yards. I think that there's opportunity they should be able to match that in this game. If they do, they're going to walk it out so far with the victory. 
Coming up next, we're going to flip the script here. We're going to switch gears. Seahawks on defense going up against Matthew Stafford and the Rams offense as we continue matchup Wednesday. Don't go away. You're listening to the Locked On Seahawks podcast, which is brought your way by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the largest independently owned daily fantasy sports platform in North America. It's the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. It's just you against the numbers. Instead of battling thousands of other players, including pros and sharks, you pick more than or less than on two to six player stat projections and watch the winnings roll in. It's really simple to play prize picks. I can make my picks and submit my entry in less than 60 seconds. And now the basketball season's here. You can pick combo projections across football and basketball from their specials league, a league created specifically for combo projections. That includes two players or more from different sports or leagues. For example, you can have LeBron James and Travis Kelsey at a 10.5 combo of three-pointers made and receptions. And if you want to play alongside some of Prize Picks' favorite players like rapper Meek Mill, you can do that in the Community Plays with the Promos tab on the app to view entries from some of the biggest names in the Prize Picks community each week. Prize Picks is an absolute blast, and it's an easy way to enjoy daily fantasy without any hassle and land quick winning. So go to prizepicks.com slash LockedInNFL and use the code LockedInNFL for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepicks.com slash LockedInNFL and use the code LockedInNFL for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks daily fantasy sports made easy. You're listening to Matchup Wednesday here on the Locked on Seahawks podcast. I'm your host, Corbin Smith. Glad to be joined, as always, by my co-host and crime, Rob Rang. And a special thanks to all the 12s out there. Thank you for making Locked on Seahawks your first listen five days a week. We greatly appreciate it. Don't forget, tomorrow it's our weekly crossover Thursday special. I'll be teaming up with the Locked on Rams crew as we'll continue to dive into this upcoming NFC West rematch at SoFi Stadium Tons of info, including more detailed matchup uh, analysis. We'll be looking at keys to victory and much more. So make sure that you are listening in. Speaking of those matchups, we just looked at the Seahawks and offense going up against a familiar foe, the Rams on defense. Now we're going to flip the script. Matthew Stafford, he missed a game in Green Bay. They had their bye week. He is now healthy. He's slinging the ball around. So Seattle's going to get the best shot from the Rams. They're going to have to face against Matthew Stafford, who really lit them up in the second half, especially in week one, carved them up without Cooper Cup. He's going to have Cooper Cup back, and that obviously is the most notable matchup going into this game. The receiving talent that the Rams have with Cooper Cup, Puka Nakua, and uh, Tutu Atwell as well, going up against Devin Witherspoon, who didn't play in that first matchup, and a talented Seahawks secondary. Yeah, exactly. And I love that the fact that you are just kind of, you know, jumping to the, the, the top matchup, really. The, the one that's the most interesting, um, as you mentioned, uh, Cooper Cup wasn't on the field for the Rams. Now, that's significant because, you know, oh, by the way, he was a Super Bowl MVP a couple of years ago. I mean, the statistics that he put up a couple of seasons ago, those of you who are fantasy football enthusiasts, when he led the league in receptions, led the league in receiving yards, led the league in receiving touchdowns, I mean, oh, my goodness, you just don't see seasons like what he produced. But while he was gone, Puka Nakua, you know, is absolutely taking over that spot. I mean, certainly was dominant against the, the Seahawks in, in week one. But while the Rams have their superstar in Cooper Cup returning, the Seahawks, as you mentioned, Corbin, have their superstar in Devin Witherspoon. So I just think that this is that exciting matchup. You, you kind of mentioned before, it's a get-your-popcorn matchup. I think it's actually on the defensive side of the ball for the Seahawks. I want to see the way the Seahawks cornerbacks match up against the Rams' 
receivers with a healthy Matthew Stafford because he was spectacular. Let's give him some credit. He was spectacular in that week one victory at Lumen Field. He was slinging the ball all around. I mean, he showed the velocity that led to him being the Detroit Lions number one overall selection all those years ago. I'm excited about this uh, you know, matchup from a Seahawk perspective, not only again, because I think that the Rams are loaded at the receiver position. They've got an absolute speedster in Tutu Atwell. They've got two receivers who don't necessarily have straight line speed, but they have terrific body control, catch everything in their area. And Cooper Cup and Puka Nakua also have physicality. This is a fun matchup. And I want to see where the Rams, you know, Let's face it. I mean, when when you look at what uh, you know their coaching staff does with moving their their receivers, around, I want to see if they move Cooper Cup inside the slot. I want to see if the Seahawks counter that with moving Devin Witherspoon to try and match Cooper Cup mano a mano. To me, that is the chess match that I am most excited to watch in this football game. I really think that's going to be the determinant of who wins this game. I love this matchup from a Seahawks perspective because I think that the Rams have a superstar in Cooper Cup. The Seahawks might even have a bigger superstar in Devin Witherspoon. Yeah, and it's also worth noting, Reek Wollen, this was his first full game back from that knee operation that he had in the offseason. And there's been some of the missed tackles, but he had his best coverage game last week against a really good commander's receiving course. So you're going to have him clicking on all cylinders, you're hoping. Trey Brown's been playing really well as of late. He had kind of a rough opener as well, gave up a long pass to Tutu Atwell. So all three of those guys, you know what? Step up. You've got this really good Rams receiving core. Show what you're made of. Show that you belong in the discussion for the best cornerback group in the NFL. This would be a great litmus test for that with a healthy Matthew Stafford and all those weapons that are around him. And I think that the Seahawks can help those corners out with the matchups on the outside. We've put so much emphasis the last several games on Draymond Jones and Leonard Williams now coming to town, Jaron Reed in the interior. And the Rams' interior offensive line is not necessarily great either. But you look at the statistics and some of the issues they've had protecting Matthew Stafford, especially the last few games going into the bye, it's been about the bookend positions. Now, they're going to get Rob Havenstein back this week from a calf injury. He was limited at practice today, but he's expected to play, according to Sean McVay. That is going to help. But Alaric Jackson at the other tackle position, he's allowed a team-high 24 pressures. Only one sack from those, but quite a few quarterback hits on Matthew Stafford. He is a player that's susceptible, and Boye Mafe is going to be matched up against him. We've seen Mafe on this historic streak with seven straight games with a sack. This is going to be some old-fashioned Big Ten battle here with Alaric Jackson being from Iowa going up against Minnesota's finest in Boye Mafe. So that is a matchup that favors the Seahawks heavily. Mafe going up against Jackson, who has really struggled in pass pro most of this season. And Havenstein, he's dealing with a calf issue. He's going to play, but how healthy is he going to be? And if he can't make it through the game, Joseph Noteboom has to come in. Noteboom has really struggled this year coming back from his own significant knee injury. This feels like a game Draymond Jones can play some off the edge. Daryl Taylor, Derek Hall. This feels like a game. Even Frank Clark might be able to get in the action finally get after Matthew Stafford. But I think if the Seahawks are going to win this game, the pressure off the edge is going to be the deciding factor against this opponent. 
So I, I agree with you. I mean, as excited as I am from a Seahawks perspective about the corners versus wide receivers, that's the one that's going to get a bunch of play. I think that the Ram or the Seahawks pass rush, excuse me, should be able to take advantage of a Rams offensive line that has struggled a little bit with consistency, certainly with durability. Whereas the Seahawks offensive line has had their shots and, and had some guys go down, the replacements have actually played pretty well. That has not been the case for the Rams. Uh, you, you mentioned Joseph Nope. Warren McClendon is a rookie from Georgia who also has struggled when he's had his playing time. I think that Boye Mafe does have a real opportunity here to extend his Seahawks record. Michael Sinclair was the one that used to own the record. I think that Boye Mafe can extend that record and make this a, one of those personal marks that, that nobody for a long, long time is going to be able to touch in this particular performance. And where better to have that kind of Hollywood ending than in L.A.? And I think that the same thing, we, we've complained so much about Daryl Taylor. This is exactly the type of game that Daryl Taylor against a relatively slow-footed quarterback like a Matthew Stafford should be able to create some big plays. You mentioned Frank Clark. You mentioned Draymond Jones. I think these are the opportunities in which they might be able to create some big, splashy plays as well. So, again, I think the Rams, you know, give them some credit. They're, this is a good football team. It obviously came into Seattle and beat them, but still. This is a Rams offensive line that I think that the Seahawks in, improved pass rush should be able to take full advantage of. I, I expect there to be several sack opportunities, and I do think the Boye Mafia is going to be able to make this eight games, not seven games, with a continued sack. Anytime these two teams get together for the last matchup, it's going to sound like a broken record because every time we mention it, it's just like Aaron Donald going up against Seattle's interior offensive line, but you got to be ready for Matthew Stafford going against Quandre Diggs, two really good friends that played several years together in Detroit. And Quandre Diggs has had the upper hand on Matthew Stafford in most of these games. Now, week one, Stafford got the last laugh, dicing up the secondary. Diggs wasn't necessarily the biggest problem there, but in earlier matchups a couple of years ago, Diggs picked him off in both the games these two teams played, both at Lumen Field and at SoFi. And so, that is, of course, going to be that one-on-one -on -one matchup. The quarterback in the secondary, it's still Quandre Diggs for the Seahawks. He's been waiting for that chance to get his hands on a football. Teams are avoiding him. Matthew Stafford will not do that. He has shown in the past, for better or worse, he will take his shots at his former teammate, and Quandre Diggs will be looking to capitalize on it. If he can get an interception or even a couple pass breakups in this game on some of those vertical shots, you know the Rams are going to take then the Seahawks have to absolutely love their chances of being able to go into SoFi and even the score a little bit to get that seventh win of the season. As always, you can follow me on Twitter, Corbin Smith NFL. You can follow Rob at Rob Rank. Subscribe and follow Locked on Seahawks on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts to make sure you don't miss a single episode. Don't forget tomorrow, it's Crossover Thursday. I'll be teaming up with the Locked on Rams crew to continue taking a deep dive into Sunday's rematch at SoFi Stadium. You won't want to miss it. Enjoy the rest of your Wednesday, and thanks for listening in. Go Hawks!